0: the City of Roses. This is the broadcast by Lash Professionals and for Lash
1: Professionals. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hey guys, we are here in the Lash Cast Studios. Excited to hang out with you. Yeah, we've got some good information for you. Yeah, we're going to talk about one of our posts. Actually, we had a couple posts about this yeah. recently about putting... Oil on lashes and how oil has no effect actually on retention. I
0: know. This is like uh, a myth that I love to bust. Um, and I've been being in this drum for years and years. And I remember, you know, talking about this early on and people are always looking at me funny because it completely goes against the narrative of what we're taught.
1: Yeah, so we're going to go into that. But before we do that, real quick, guys, a few announcements, because we have so much going on and we want you to be part of it. So first and foremost, we're going to be in Australia. In fact, I'm thinking when this airs, we still won't be in Australia, but we will be there very soon. We will be teaching at the International Lash Masters Conference in Sydney on March 6th. So I think they have a few more tickets if you want to go buy your ticket and we hopefully will meet you and hang out with you. But outside that, we're going to be teaching our Elevate Business course that says a one day business intensive on Monday the 7th at LBA Lashes and then at Eliana's headquarters on the 10th of March we're going to be there so if you want to sign up for that it's only about 357 USD or basically 497 um, Australian dollars and obviously you got to be in Australia to hang out with us I doubt many of you want to fly out just to see this course we'll probably bring this to the United States Um, we did this a few years ago and we'll bring it back now that COVID is kind of calming down so hopefully guys if you're in our Australian family we'd love to see you hang out with you for a day and we're going to sit down and teach, teach you things like what type of numbers you need to know how to improve your customer service how to have better boundaries how to basically you know, know what numbers attract and all this stuff it's going to be really core essentials you need to do to be able to grow and have a successful lash business also we have our retention courses testing styling retention course i think when this comes out we'll be just about to head over to arizona and so we'll be with lash Anna Chris or Allie out there in arizona but then our next course is in april we're going to be with shelby and and Austin, Texas. The links are in our show notes. So go look that up and hopefully you'll see that. And last con guest, no, we have a date we want to sell tickets on. We're looking for Tuesday, April 5th that's the day don't hold me to it because there's so much to do but if everything goes as planned and rarely does that ever happen we hope that our tickets up and sale ready for you and they will be, especially the VIPs we expect will sell out pretty quick so you will want to be ready for that be ready to come on be a slash Cast Insider that way you get the discount code and the update like hey we're going to be selling tickets to you
0: how can I be an insider
1: you go to our show notes there's a link there or go to our Instagram and there you'll see a link there and also we have a little gift for you so if you go in there and you sign up you'll get a little pdf gift some information that will help you with your business so all right let's talk about lash and oil two things that people used to think never went along or went together with but yet tuss years ago told me i'd
0: I don't see it, yeah. an issue.
1: Yeah, there's not an issue. It's <laughs> Cyanaracolite is actually not impacted at all by oil. Mm-hmm. We posted a video about uh, now that by the time this comes out, it, it will be a couple weeks and maybe a few weeks. And then we also put another video out that was from another company, a manufacturer out of China who actually did also great reel that just shows that someone literally their hand is underwater and they take it out. It's all wet. And they take a, a cyanoacrylate. a lash that has cyanoacrylate on it. And they just attach it directly to the hand. It immediately bonds. And then they dip their hand in the oil. And then they take it out. And they attach it again with covered in oil. And it immediately bonds. And then we did our test. We're testing over a period of two weeks, um, followed someone that she attached one side, their lashes had oil all over them. And we show this in the video, you should go check it out. And the other side, there was no oil. And then we watched the retention over two weeks and the two sides look remarkably the same.
0: Now, that wasn't the first time I've done this. I did this
1: early on in my own practice. Back in the 80s? <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm kidding. Yeah. No, but we've been here for 17 years. I mean, you were doing this like 15, 16 years ago. You were beginning the if test you, of it, boundaries I of cyanoraculants. I would Santa say
0: Araculets. 2007, 2006 yeah. is when I was like, hmm, let's just figure this out. Let's just try it because I'm I'm hearing these things and I, I'm not sure I buy it.
1: So, I mean, the big reveal was, I think, about four or five years ago, people are going to realize that cyanoraculants are waterproof. And it always was waterproof, by the way. It wasn't like the new glue got developed and this one is waterproof. And that's the same thing for this, right? This is not something new.
0: No, it's not something new. These aren't new formulas that are coming out. This is the same stuff that's been around forever. Cyanoacrylates have been around really since the 50s and nothing has really changed. One of the reasons that make it so universally able to bond with everything is because the method that they bond is through anionic polymerization. And what that means is that it polymerizes instead of drying by solvent evaporation. Mm
1: -hmm. Like Elmer's glue is your typical solvent evaporation stereotype that that's you have right. for glue. And most people, I think, think that's what cyanoacrylate. It's like. Oh, it's just drying like Elmer's glue. We use terms like drying, right? So in the bottle
0: in, in with it, Elmer's glue, it's white stuff, right? Half of that is water and half of that is PVC, polyvinyl acetate. That's the sticky parts of the glue. And what happens is you put that glue on, let's say you're joining two sticks together. And what happens is the water evaporates from it, just leaving the PVC, the poly,
1: And then uh, that's what bonds PVA at that is, point?
0: Right? And that's what holds those together. And that's called drying because the water is evaporating from that. But it's water-soluble, meaning that if you get it wet again, it can rehydrate and then the glue no longer bonds anymore, right? And that's
1: why I don't use Elmer's glue anymore to help me fix my clothes because I used to...
0: Never mm-hmm, mind. Mm-hmm. I even say,
1: I glue my clothes back together. and he glues them together. Every morning
0: we glue them and we have to wait. <laughs> That's how poor we are. Yes,
1: it's like get so the Elmer's glue out <laughs> and, and <laughs> so glue my shirt back. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. Well, and, yeah. at least we skipped the epoxy stage because the epoxy was like a five-minute cure. You had to mix two parts together yes. and then they bonded that way. Cyanoacrylates are different. Basically, there is a level of hydrolyzed ions over the surface of everything. And most people explain it as like a layer of water. Right. And what happens is that layer of water is like a catalyst and it fits the monomer just perfectly so that it sets up this chain reaction and forms a hard plasticky kind of waterproof surface. Right. I mean, if any of us have made slime as a craft when we were kids, you know, you take the boron and you take the glue and you put those together. And what happens is they link up and they form these long chains, which cause it to be stretchy and goopy and slimy and all those good qualities that make slime so amazing instead of being like a liquid. So in the same way the polymer or the monomer line, you know catalyzes and it instead of becoming a monomer anymore it's it's a polymer it basically forms plastic, right? Yeah. So you cannot dissolve that plastic with water or with oil. It's impossible. It needs to be dissolved with a solvent like a remover or something like acetone because that's the only thing that can break those bonds down. It's not the same as a solvent evaporation. So we say cure instead of drying, but everyone says drying, and so we kind of think
1: it's the same thing. And I think that the language is what makes people think it's drying when it's really curing. It's a different process, and I think it's really important to rethink it and actually use the right language. Like, for instance, it's actually not lash glue. I know a lot of people I know who have been in the industry for a while. It's lash adhesive. Mm -hmm. It's a a little bit more technical term. It's actually made a little bit more true to what it really is because I think glue makes people think Elmer's glue. Adhesive means it's a little bit more, I guess, the process is a little bit different.
0: But it's like we say Kleenex, hand me a Kleenex, when we really mean tissue. Maybe it's not Kleenex brand, it's Puffs or it's Kirkland Paul's, or something like know, that. But, but, you know, or hand me a Band-Aid. Everyone knows what a Band-Aid is. It's an adhesive medical bandage, right? But yeah. you, know, you
1: have to yeah. say it like that, right? So we use these words ubiquitously. I'm trying to get to people calling it polyglue, because I really think if they call polyglue Never mind I, I that that is the lamest joke ever. I think like, that'll be coming. They hand me the poly glue and feel like, Oh, yeah, I got that. And it's like, that's what all lash glue becomes. No, called.
0: because poly people don't think that, oh, oh, Paul, you're making fun of your name. Like, Polly, they think polymer. <laughs> I know, but I just think that's the double meaning. Okay. It's like, is
1: it polymer or is it from? And that then after that stupid. famous lash artist, Paul Luber's. Just shut uh, up. Just shut up. That's like stupid. Uh, I just want my name to be remembered before when I'm dead. Okay. <laughs> um, let's go back to why this maybe came into being. Because really, why did people think oil is an issue? I mean, you see it everywhere. Like, you, it's in everyone's notes, or like when you're doing your consult, by the way, please avoid makeup with oil in it. We, I think way back in the early days, I think you even did it for a while when you begin to realize, wait a minute, there's something wrong with this. This is not true. And you did research and found out, wait, it is oil proof. It doesn't get broken down by oil. Where did this all come from? Is this just some well, evil it's plan? It's like the urban <laughs>
0: myth that you can't go swimming for 30 minutes after you eat, otherwise you're going to get cramps. I I, I get cramps
1: all the time. I don't know what you're talking about. Cramps, okay.
0: Well, so anyway, I think that these things are like urban myths and they started out with the kernel of truth. Okay. So if you look at any emergency room protocols on how they remove large swaths of adhesive, like cyanoacrylate on people's skin, one of the um, top ways to treat that is to put oil on the affected area to see if it'll loosen up. But what's really important to understand here is that the, the emergency room physician is not trying to dissolve the glue. They don't care about that. What they're trying to do is remove that glue from the skin, right? So sometimes that can happen. You can do that. You can soften the substrate by soaking it in oil. That's one of the ways you can. And if it has been on the skin for days, there has been some skin cell turnover. And if you soak it in enough, you might possibly be able to move it. Like the seep
1: between the cracks. Yeah, but what's happening,
0: you have to understand their goal isn't to dissolve the glue, they just want to get that whole big piece of hardened plastic off the patient's skin. Mm -hmm. And so if they can loosen it up by doing that, they can. So I think a lot of people have just kind of thought, oh, that's an emergency room treatment. That's one of the ways we can remove it. And technically it it could be, you know, but you have to understand it doesn't dissolve the It doesn't dissolve it. doesn't actually
1: break the bonds down. The the glue is not disintegrating and and becoming a weakened thing. It's just a way to hopefully massage, I guess, the skin area and soften that area up so that it maybe breaks apart from the actual glue itself, right? Is that kind of yeah, yeah, it's it. like
0: one of the treatments of getting, you know, bubble gum out of your hair. Yeah. Uh, one time I got some bubble gum in my hair and my mom was like trying to figure out how to get it out. And she read, oh, put mayonnaise in it. Put, you know, peanut butter in oh, it. Oh, yeah, I
1: put mayonnaise in my hair every day.
0: Because it's, uh, what hair? Yeah. <laughs> just kidding. Um, because it's oily, right? So the goal is to try to remove the substrate, which is the gum, from the hair. But you're not necessarily trying to dissolve
1: it. You're just trying to remove the hair. So Yeah. I mean, I remember when you decided to put latex in my hair. Oh goodness. And we thought, oh, latex just comes right out. I was a zombie for okay, Halloween. Okay, now this was
0: Halloween and I did not know what I was doing. We bought liquid latex and it was a YouTube video. We, you know, you, you take the toilet paper, you dip it in the liquid latex and you put it on the skin and it makes really gross zombie skin and it was fantastic.
1: I looked awesome.
0: But I didn't look ahead on like how to dissolve it and I just assumed because it was latex that it was water soluble. Yeah. And nope. no, it, it wasn't water
1: soluble. So <laughs> uh, nope.
0: he's at the bathroom and he's like, you know, half an hour three, later hours
1: in the bathroom just picking one little piece and we tried oil i remember i think we put oil in there didn't do anything didn't help so it was a very long painful and that's when i went bald actually that's that's the first that's it yeah after that before i had a full i was like i'm so sorry it's okay. I'm actually. so
0: sorry. This was actually years and years and years. I was ago. actually already involved. But that
1: said it was another lifetime. I remember like it was yesterday. It was so painful. Anyhow, so okay, so people, this whole oil thing, we don't know for sure, but the best practice probably came out of this idea of when medical professionals would use it to help remove. Something from a foreign body from the body. And
0: I think people wanted to do what the best practices were. And manufacturers would say, people who sold glue would say, avoid getting them wet and avoid oil the products. Because I think that they were taking their cue from what... Chemists do say about cyanoacrylates for best practices. Like
1: on large scale applications? Large
0: scale applications. The way that we use it, we use the smallest amount, really, on hair. And there wasn't a lot of case studies about this, but there were about, you know, for manufacturing, like medical equipment and things like that. Or machinery, or like
1: guns or whatever. And so, the best
0: practices when you are adhering two surfaces together is to make sure that they're clean, especially if you're using really large applications, like on cars and machine parts and things like that. You know, there's residues and oils from other things that can interfere with that adhesion. Yeah. So that is a best practice.
1: And we're talking about large, we're talking like large swaths of metal, sheet metal, all covered with glue or acrylate, and then being attached to other pieces of metal. And it's such a large application. There's different principles that apply to large applications versus a micro application. Yeah.
0: And then trying to make sure that it's going to cure properly. Like when you lay down cement, you know, pour cement, you're really supposed to make sure that you soak it with water so it doesn't crack. You know, you don't walk over it like the first day because oh, even though it's dry, I didn't know that. it's still not fully cured. So I think that a lot a lot of people were like, just for best practices to make sure that it's fully cured, don't get them wet. But the application is already cured because it's so small. It's not like it's three feet deep of, of just solid adhesive. yeah The amount that we use is so small that it, it's cured by the time that they're walking out of the salon.
1: Yeah, it's the same issue that sometimes people talk about. Hey, be careful using center acolytes around cotton because they can catch people on fire. Which I've yet to see a video of a, a client on fire because, well, of- <laughs> ladies
0: and guys. Tell me, when do you put the CA on cotton?
1: Yeah, or maybe... Well, they put like the pad, iPad maybe. But what you see videos of... Who are- drops glue from the
0: bottle onto
1: yeah. a piece of tape? Exactly. And, and th-
0: even if you do, it doesn't catch on fire.
1: doesn't catch on fire. And it, we, no one puts them out like the only videos I've ever seen are with cotton balls or with q-tips and they literally douse it with tons and tons of drops and then they say see that can burn people I'm like yeah but no one's doing that and no one's using it at that level
0: if you look at the emergency room literature it's actually quite rare to have these kinds of burns I'm not saying that they don't happen yeah. usually it's like a child is playing with an adhesive and it spills all over their their clothes and gets it's part of them yeah. but even then it's very rare occurrence if they they are wearing cotton and it gets, you know, they spill a whole bottle on their pants that can cause a burn.
1: Yeah, but the point was this, is that most of the things that we're afraid of are because of large scale applications. And we're dealing with such a micro, small, tiny bit about glue or adhesive that these issues aren't really That's right. playing into it's play. it's a different
0: scale. A lot of times they will also say, be careful of salt water. But again, we're talking about a large scale the salt water that you have on your tiers, it's not going to make a dent in it. And here's one of the ways that we know that this is true. CAs are the number one choice for saltwater aquarium th- enthusiasts. They yeah. use cyanoacrylates in the salt water to adhere live coral to their uh, Tank. aquarium. Yeah. And what's great is they, they put that drop of ball of CA in the water, and it's still liquid. It kind of forms a shell on the outside, but yeah. it's still able to cure inside, and it stays for years. It's salt water, guys.
1: And there's fish in the tank, too, That's and right. it doesn't make, it doesn't, it doesn't kill doesn't the fish. doesn't reach
0: out into it. So the point I'm trying to make is that there was also a very big study about the longevity of CA adhesives, and one of them, I can't remember which study it was, but it was made by, the first name is Sina. He's a scientist that studies specifically glue, and and is written like the seminal works on adhesives. And one of them was seven years of saltwater wear and tear on some of these machine parts, and it still had very negligible effects on it. But yeah. again, we're not using it in those large machine, se- you know. I'm going to have a whole
1: lash line. It's about underwater lashes with saltwater yeah, glue. Yeah, I'm just <laughs>
0: saying that we do not need
1: to fear it. Mermaids. Mermaids may be a big market here for that type well, of thing. Well, mermaids would be perfect yeah. for lash extensions. Yeah, lash extensions underwater. the mermaid
0: doesn't need to look more glamorous. I know,
1: exactly. Exactly. So I think that's all for this episode. I think that really covers our main point, which we just want to break down and explain a little bit more why we made those posts and why we're big advocates for putting oil all over yourself before you get lashes. No. Uh- <laughs> No, you don't have to worry about it. No, just don't worry about it. Don't worry
0: about it. One of the reasons why you see a lot of shedding and stuff like that immediately after a service is because you don't have enough bond surface. You're not using enough adhesive and you're not covering enough surface area. If you increase the surface area that you're connecting with a little bit more adhesive so that it wraps the whole thing, just like we wrap a volume lash, you're going to have much more longevity so that the client can wash their face and put as much oil as they want on it and it won't come off. So try to increase your surface area and your adhesive and you will see more longevity
1: yeah, and that's why we just give a big shout out to Tessa's class again. If you really want to learn how to get four week lasting lashes, then you need to take a retention and styling course. I promise you guys, it will completely open your mind and change everything. Now we talk about her stuff a lot on this podcast, so you, a lot of you email me, DM me already, say, "Wow, I've been trying to, I've improved my techniques." A lot awesome. of you
0: have gotten it already, but if you want to see how it's actually done yeah. and combine those A plus B plus C steps, the class is for you.
1: Yeah, and the class will help you really connect all the and we'll get testing input so you really are getting good practices and good habits. And we also will get you access to our video library when we're done, which will allow you to go back after the course and see all the different techniques done on video so you can check yourself and make sure that you're still doing the work right and you're not going off the, the beaten path.
0: And the whole point of the class really for me is to change your paradigm. You're going to hear things that completely go against what you've been taught for years, just like this whole thing about oil and water, because I want to change your paradigm. I want to change the way that you think about lashes because it will change the way that you do them.
1: Yeah. And the good news is this is how you get to charge what Tuss does. She charges $135 an hour. Her fills are $203 and $270. And that's only going to happen when you give so much value for your client that they want to come back to you because wow, instead of coming back every two or three weeks, I come back once a month,
0: and they still look like they have
1: lashes. I mean, yeah. it's
0: like from corner to corner, they're they're less full, but they don't look like they don't have anything.
1: Yeah, and the nice thing is they'll pay more for that, mm-hmm. and you can tell them in some ways. Like some of Tesla's clients who used to go their stylist for two weeks, they're actually saving money because they're not going every two weeks and time because they're coming in once a month. So there's a lot of upside, and so if you're interested, please go look at the show notes, look at our schedule, and find the next class. We got all sorts of class coming up this year. We'd love to see you at one of our trainings. All right, guys, that's it. That's a wrap. We are all done. Thanks so much for hanging out with us today. I want to ask you to please follow us on Instagram at Podcast and at the Lash Conference. And remember to subscribe, share, and review on behalf of my Lash Pikachu Chusney. I want to thank you for taking some time to listen. Keep on lashing. And remember, you have a friend in the lash industry.